0: Welcome to another episode of the Big Knowledge Football Dynasty podcast. I'm Sunny and I'm your host. What is up? Welcome in. Welcome back. It's been a while. I know it's been like almost a month or more. So yes, welcome back to the show. It is the week 4 going on week 5. It is Saturday morning and I am here to give you some content to kind of just do a dynasty check-in to talk about some of the positions, talk about some of the players, some of the things I've seen. Um, it is kind of strange to be putting out a podcast on a Saturday when there's football coming out tomorrow, but this has kind of been the challenge for me. During the season, uh, during the week, it just doesn't work for me very well. I've always, in the off season, I've done my content during Saturday and Sunday mornings, and so I found that, you know, if I, if I ever wanted to put out a podcast, I might as well just sit down and do one on a Saturday, um, and then there'll be football tomorrow, no big deal, because I feel like in Dynasty anyway, I'm never trying to be week-to-week uh, reactive anyway, so for me... Um, this is just a good time to check in, kind of take a look at some of the different positions. I'm not necessarily um, putting too much into what I've seen so far. I think that there's so many things going on, not just the COVID, um, just a crazy number of injuries, the lack of offseason, um, just so many, on so many levels, the lack of fans, the, there's so many things that will um, likely change and things will start to shift or things will start to normalize and and. Um, teams will get more comfortable and start using other players. and It's just, like I said, I've watched this season so far, and I've been very cautious trying to make too many assumptions. But there are some things that I think you can see pretty clearly. Um, there are some other things that, uh, you know, maybe we're just getting little tidbits into, and then we're going to have to wait and see a little bit more. So that's what I'm excited to talk about, kind of check in on some of these positions um, in a dynasty lens and just kind of, you know, kind of see what, what do we feel like is going on? what What have we seen so far? And, uh, you know, just going to talk about some of these players. So, without further ado, let's get into the show. Okay, so we'll just start with the quarterback position. Um, You know, there are some interesting things going on at the quarterback position. I think, you know, Russell Wilson is not a surprise. I think some people are surprised or seem surprised. If you listen to my show, you know, to me it was not a surprise. Are you really surprised that Russell Wilson is, you know, the best fantasy producer in the league right now, now that he's gotten a chance to pass? No, and, you know... We don't know for sure how Seattle is going to move forward in terms of running the ball, passing ball. But it seems to be working. It seems to be working really well. It seems that Russell's comfortable doing it, and it opens up a lot more options. I don't see this going away, and I think that you know the sky's the limit in terms of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. And if they start adding other weapons, I mean, right now Greg Olson is kind of a benefit of this. um, But as we move forward in in terms of dynasty, yeah, it's it's a big time. You've got a lot of years of, of potential elite fantasy production from Russell Wilson and I think he's tired of seeing guys like uh, Patrick Mahomes and everybody getting all the attention because they're throwing the ball a lot and it's like you know what I've been doing this for longer than all of them I'm 30 years old it's my time to have you know and he's got the experience kind of like Aaron Rodgers as well seen it a lot Seen the plays been through it a lot Um, and so I'm excited to see what Russell can do and I think that um, I'm not putting him I think there's just a big group now in terms of the the upper tier I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes I know some people are kind of like oh Patrick's not it's when you're winning the way the Chiefs are doing, they they have the ability to not have to do things that they are able to do. And so, if you if it's almost like if you're forced to do what you're best at all the time, then you're going to have to do that to try to come back. And that's kind of where they're trying to do things that maybe they're not best at. That maybe that they're trying to to work at things. He looks a little bit like a Tom Brady right now. He looks like he's trying to, you know, pick apart the defense, trying to kind of create mismatches, and and not extend himself not extend the team I am always looking for a buy opportunity with Patrick Mahomes and if this somehow continues for a couple more games because I don't think people right away on early in the season are going to be like oh my gosh but what happens is the season rolls on and you have other guys like Zach and Josh Allen and stuff who are starting to put up those this year's MVP type numbers then people start to wonder like what's going on maybe this year is just not the year maybe they just don't you know they want to win a Super Bowl and they're going to run the ball And that's my dad drafted a Patrick Mahomes in redraft and he's already started with that so it's one of those things where I think there is a a chance where you know you might be able to buy the premier quarterback and I still put him over Russell Wilson I still put him over all the other quarterbacks just in terms of pure upside talent it doesn't mean that every year he's going to reach it but he potentially could every year there's 50 touchdown potential if they want to if they need to it's there In terms of Russell Wilson, you know, it may be there. We don't know. We've never really seen him extend himself or the team extend themselves out to try to get there in terms of throwing a lot and getting to 50 touchdowns. But we're seeing that absolutely it's possible. He started out with the the most touchdowns of any quarterback in three games. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott, I think when we talk about Dak... The, the key thing here is yeah, yeah he's played well, and there's, and there's moments where he hasn't played that well and kind of gotten bailed out and has some dropped interceptions and whatnot. And I have a friend who's a Cowboys fan, and we've kind of debated on this. I personally think Dak's worth the $40 million. I I think that they're crazy not to pay him. He's one of the best quarterbacks. He at least makes plays. He's a gamer. There's just not that many quarterbacks that you can rely on to do this, to take your team and just keep them in the game no matter how bad your defense is. So it reminds me a little bit of Matt Ryan in the past years where Matt Ryan was always kind of the the garbage king just kind of their team would keep falling behind and then no matter what he would just keep putting up points and it's like they could be down 30 nothing and you knew that Matt Ryan would still come back and put up points or they could just be consistently down you'd be like seven nothing and then 10-7 and then 14-10 or whatever they just slowly lose the game they slowly bleed out but they stay in it because of their offense but their defense just can't hold them in so I think that's what we're going to see a lot of with the Cowboys this year it's fantasy gold Um, you know week to week, I don't know. The NFL changes so quick that it wouldn't surprise me if somehow uh, the Cowboys figured it out and weren't as terrible as they've been. Um, but right now, it's not looking very good. Their run defense is pretty bad. And once your run defense is bad, they can exploit you all over the field and they can control the clock. I think it's surprising that the Cowboys have put up as many points as they had just because that means every almost every possession they've had to go out and make plays. And so that's my feeling is that Dak is a good player either way. And they have the weapons. And yes, he has had some mistakes but when you put a quarterback in a position where they have to throw the ball pretty much every play and they're forced to bring their team back consistently you have to ask them to try to make plays and in doing that they're going to put themselves out there where they might make mistakes and for a guy to be putting up 450 yards a game or whatever over his three his last three games and all these touchdowns and doing it just trying to get his team back in it with the other team knowing that he has to do it it's very impressive and I like i said i know he's got the weapons and i know he's not a perfect quarterback he's not a perfect specimen but in this league in in the the way the league is run right now with rushing quarterbacks and playmakers you need playmakers and dak is a playmaker with playmakers at his disposal uh, big time fantasy points, and uh, I think it's it's going to continue. I think the Cowboys would be stupid not to sign him, but we'll see. But if he, if they don't, then fine. A, a team like the Broncos, the Broncos, I think the Broncos would love to have Dak personally as a Broncos fan. We have the weapons too, and and we we could use a playmaker. Drew Locke, I think he looked good in, in week one. um there's not like a, a slide on him, but you just. You've seen it enough from Dak that he's a legitimate playmaker in this league, and I just don't i don't know of that many players that look so comfortable on a football field and look like that's the only place they want to be. And uh, at, at that quarterback position, that's super important. Um, okay, let's move on. Josh Allen, talking about another guy who looks comfortable on the field. I mean, okay. I'll admit that I've never really believed that Josh Allen was going to be a legitimate starting quarterback in the league. I I have like enjoyed watching Josh Allen. I've always loved watching Josh Allen. I've talked about he's a gamer. He's a fun player to watch, but I am totally like flipped on Josh Allen. Not only is he a fun player to watch, he is a difference maker. He is the X factor now. They used to be. It used to be like the Bills were a team. Um, it was just a very good team, and they were trying to you know not lose. You're trying to have him make a few plays. But not, you know, like just win in spite of him in, in a way. But now he is the absolute X Factor on that team. Um, it's just amazing what he's doing. He reminds me of Elway a little bit where it's just he's running around. He's carrying that team. he's plays with excitement. Um, he's making great decisions. He's making great plays. It helps when everything's going your way. Uh, we have to wait and see when things aren't going their way, if they fall behind and he starts making mistakes. That can still happen, but it happens to all quarterbacks. I think that happens to Patrick Mahomes. It happens to the best of them. So with me, I am sold on Josh Allen. I, I no longer think that Josh Allen is going to lose his job. I just don't see how that guy will lose his job in any time soon because the difference he makes, the plays he makes, the, the the what he adds to his team, and not the fact, not to mention the fact that his teammates absolutely love him and love playing for him, and there's no way they'd want to play with another quarterback when you have this guy out there just throwing his body around. He's he just... It's, I, there are certain players that make football fun that make that just make watching football absolutely fun it's like what football is all about and josh allen is absolutely one of those players and uh, yeah i i have totally come around on him i i was i think i said earlier in the season like i would sell him unless you think he can be mvp well yeah i i think he could probably be mvp at this point he's he's playing that kind of season will it continue i don't know but the team is good and and i have high expectations for the bills now and you know we'll talk about Gabriel Davis and some other players. Like there's just some good, there's some good talent on that team. It's well coached. It's just a smart team. And Josh Allen has just come to you know he's coming his own. And uh, like I said, there's not too many people with his talent. We've always known he had the talent. It was always the processor, the accuracy. I haven't seen him make very many bad throws. I mean, I mean there's some, there was some there. There's still some. Like I said, it's it's a lot easier when you're when things are rolling your way. Um, but. Same time, I'm impressed. I, I, I'll, I'll buy in now. I'm I'm buying in. I'll, I'll take that ticket of Josh Allen, um, not at the price it's going at right now. Obviously, like right now, he's there's just no you can't go buy Josh Allen. But you know things there's ebbs and flows. And at this point, I'm always looking at like, do I believe in the long term? Do I think this guy's going to be? Says I've always kind of hedged on the. No, I'm not so sure Josh Allen's going to keep this job in the long term. Uh, but now I don't see how he loses the job. This is a winning team. This is a guy who's a complete X-factor player with all the talent you could ask for, and he's a gamer. So absolutely buying in on Josh Allen. A little absolutely late to the party as well. Um, a guy I'm not late to the party was Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers, yes, you know he's he's who we thought he was. Uh, it's you know I guess everything was just about this running offense and what they did last year. But you know it's I, I'm excited to see that this is really what. What's going on here is that they're finding a good medium balance, that they realize that the pass and the run work well together and that Aaron Rodgers can be his super efficient, super deadly self, um, even at a better level when they have uh, an effective running game. And so, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Aaron Rodgers besides the fact that he's like 37 years old or whatever. He's getting so old and he's had injuries that... This is almost a time if you do have him and you know somebody wants to buy him that you might consider selling him only because you're going to get that market value that you've been kind of waiting for, and uh, it's it, you know I said it's probably going to continue. I think he's going to be great. So I'm I'm holding especially in teams where I need a co- good quarterback and I have a quarterback and their are pass kind of scoring type setups. Absolutely, I think you know he's he's got plenty of life left in those that arm and legs. And it seems like the coaching staff is in no rush to move on. The Jordan Love thing sounded like it was kind of disaster from the beginning. He's not even the backup quarterback from what I understand. It's Nick Boyle. So yeah, that I think that's gone for now. But we never know. Things can shift quickly. But I don't see a winning team moving on from a Hall of Fame quarterback just because they drafted another quarterback. That quarterback can sit and wait and you can do whatever. It's, it's just a first round draft pick that they used. Whether they wasted it or not, we'll find out. Okay, not going to talk at length about some of the other quarterbacks as we go down. You know, Kyler Murray has been underwhelming, if you ask me. His, his legs have really put up fantasy points. So if you're in, a, in the fantasy league and you own him with where the rushing is key, then he's still producing for you. But in terms of just watching the football, I, I feel like there's still a lot of room to grow. He it, Maybe part of it is his height and stuff, but I find that he just does not like to be in the pocket enough. He doesn't feel comfortable in the pocket. He doesn't navigate the pocket um, nearly as well as you'd like. He has the arm talent, he has the accuracy, he has playmaking ability, he's incredible on his feet. Um, I've always said this, he's like a one-man football team, and he is. He's still all of that, um, but in terms of the development of the passer and everything, there's still some work to do. The timing stuff, It's the the, the, the offense needs that timing and rhythm and to get everybody involved and to keep it going and, and kind of know it's going to be consistent. So maybe this is a good time to talk about the rookies. Joe Burrow, I, we've only seen really two of them, so there's Joe Burrow to it. We haven't seen we've seen all but Tua we see two of them all but Tua doesn't even make sense but yeah okay so we've seen Joe Burrow and I'm very very excited about Joe Burrow I there's some limitation we see I think that he does not like to stretch the field we've automatically seen John Ross out of the picture and, and some of that I'm sure is on John Ross when I watched him he made some boneheaded errors and just not in it but also it just doesn't seem like the type of target that that Joe Burrow likes. He likes his tight ends. He likes throwing to his kind of slot or real reliable, more underneath type targets. He he very much has that Brady vibe where he will pick you apart. He will needle you. He doesn't mind just continuously kind of taking what's there, taking what's there. But so, but in the long run, I love it. I love it. I think he's got the accuracy. I think he's shown playmaking. He got ripped off on on a interception touchdown thing where it should have been a touchdown. His tight end just didn't take it in. So a lot of different things going on with Joe Burrow, you got to love. He's throwing 300 yards a game already. He's really just looks like everything that you could want from him. Their offensive line is concerning. They looked a little bit better the last game. That's my biggest worry is not Joe Burrow, but maybe the surrounding pieces. If you go and you Andrew Luckham, um, it's possible. He's, you know, he's a big kid, and he's strong and an athlete, but we just see how quickly these guys can deteriorate if you just don't allow them any protection, if you force them to just constantly be doing it. So he's willing to stand in there. I love that. He's willing to take those hits. Um, we just don't want to ask him to do that too much in his rookie season. Let's kind of maybe get him out of the pocket a little bit. We're moving right until that offensive line gets a little bit better. That's my concern with Joe Burrow. Um, on the other hand, let's talk about Justin Herbert. Herbert has looked fantastic. I was just like, wow. And I have some shares of Herbert. I didn't just lay off of Herbert, even though I kind of made some fun of him. it's I'm completely – what I love about him is he's attacking down the field. And we knew we had the arm talent, but you just – it's one thing to attack down the field and miss. I remember seeing Ryan Leaf and many other quarterbacks over the years that they had that arm talent and they just hucked the ball down the field. And, and it's like, oh, look at him. He's attacking down the field. But then after two or three games, you're like, don't attack down the field anymore. All you do is just throw the ball away. You throw it out of bounds or you throw it up there for a safety go get. But not Herbert so far. He's attacking down the field and the ball is getting there. And it is getting there like just with swiftness. He, he's got a cannon of an arm. He looks very poised in there. He did not look. He went toe to toe with tough teams too. I mean, that's the thing. He's in there with Mahomes the first time around, and the last. I mean, they were they're literally playing legitimate games for playoff type battles, and he's out there, you know, kind of thrown out there without any kind of warning or everything. And maybe that was the best thing for him. He didn't even have to like think about it. He just got tossed to the Wolves, and it's worked so far. And, and I'm very impressed with him. It's just. Like I say, he's he's always had that athletic ability. He's got the arm talent, like a Josh Allen. He's got the skills. You just wanted to see if he could do it on the field. You could see if like he could put it together. And so far, so good with Herbert. So definitely an exciting time. Now we just got to see if Oltua uh, can round it out and make the the whole QB class just a really solid one. As we look back at the other QB class, let's, let's just move to that. Where you got Haskins just got benched. Yeah, there's some there's some bad quarterback kind of you know look at even the baker sam darnold class i'm feeling very kind of eh, you know josh allen is the, is the best of that bunch right now because let's let's just talk about baker i've watched baker and I, and I feel like baker um is very much a floor play at this point it's just all he is you know even on a good day when he goes out there and he's effective and he's got his swag um the the yards aren't really there and there's not much for rushing potential so I just don't see a huge ceiling for Baker right now and it maybe it's part of their offense and if they, you know, if things changed, yes, he started running a more pass friendly offense, I could see where you know there's potential for more, but in a way it feels like there's a reason that they've shifted this offense because the quarterback they have isn't built for it. That the the idea that we're going to build the Oklahoma offense around Baker Mayfield here at the Cleveland Browns I think is no longer the case. I think it's and Stavansky and, and the whole you know, future of this team, I don't know, but I'm just saying in terms of looking at Baker, I think we know more that what we have, and it's maybe more Gardner Minshew. I have to say, it's like Gardner Minshew, Baker Mayfield, very similar guys. They look the same. They have the swag. They kind of have a little mobility, but not a lot. They kind of have a limited arm talent in terms of uh, down the field, but they can do it. I think Baker's got a little better arm talent and maybe a little better accuracy, but it's, you know, like I said, it's, we haven't seen enough of it to say he's he's ready to take on the role as, you know, the alpha and the guy that the offense runs through, a la Aaron Rodgers. No, Baker right now is a floor play, and so we have to accept that. I don't have many shares. I think I'm down to one share, and I don't – he's he's in a 2QB league where I might just have to ride him. So, you know, just use, it, use him as best I can. But I don't I, – like I said, I'm not feeling super optimistic about any kind of um, upside, upper-tier quarterback play from Baker Mayfield. Now there are a number of quarterbacks here, like Teddy Bridgewater, um, even Tom Brady. Some of these guys have just gone into new situations. This the team has not fully worked out everything going on. I just think that we have to give it a little bit more time. I don't necessarily think we'll see much more from Teddy Bridgewater. I do think we what we see is what he is. I think it's always been what we've seen from him. And so why would we expect to see something different? Uh, the idea that you know it's the Matt rule and the the Joe Brady idea that oh this offense is going to be amazing that you know there was this seed that was planted that there was that potential of that but I now I think we see it is a good offense and they are smart but there's a limitation to the upside of a player like Teddy Bridgewater and uh, I think that's where we know what we have in him um, we we do want to give it a little bit more time because they haven't really utilized DJ Moore or even Curtis Samuel that much and those are their bigger play threats and so you would think that uh, if they can get the ball to them more then maybe. Teddy B's numbers would go up a little bit just in terms of letting other people make plays for him. But like I said, I'm not surprised necessarily what I'm seeing. The same thing with Brady. I'm not necessarily surprised by what I see from Brady. I, you know, I said there is potential that he could bring back some of those 40 touchdown seasons or whatever, one of those 40 touchdown seasons, and I, do, I think that's there. I mean, this, this, they don't even have Godwin back yet. He had a five touchdown game. Sure, there's going to be other games where he looks like his old, like on Thursday night, where he looked a little, you know, it's just. It's tough. They're they're putting it all together. They've had five games. They've had five games with no preseason, and they're just trying to put pieces together. They've had a lot of injuries. A, you know, a lot of players going out. A lot of new pieces. You've got to give this some time. This is Tom Brady, and this is a very talented team. I'm op- more optimistic for Brady in the sense that I think that he will continue to get better and is to continue to gel. And he'll get Godwin back, and and you know Tyler Johnson not, didn't look too bad there. So yeah, just some some things here moving along for Brady that that we need to give it a little more time, and yet at the same time he's already shown enough that he's fantasy viable now, not uh, not top tier, but but I think he's close actually. He's in t- he's in t- he's, in t- he's top seven right now or something. Yeah, I think you know it's I don't think he's top five potential, but there's definitely top ten potential there with Brady. It's just he's he's a definite starter as long as you know there's there's no other quarterback. There's a lot of quarterbacks who aren't you know breaking out or their teams are you know there's just. We week in, week out, year in, year out, we have so many things to adjust to. And this year is not only no exception, but it's just so much more amplified that we have to take that into account that you know, I remember so many seasons where there's like different stages of the season, and the first four games is one stage and the next four games is another stage. and then and so we're are just in this early stage of one of the most unlike just unpredictable seasons you could possibly have. So just stay patient, try not to over overreact to things too much yet. But yeah, when you watch a lot of these quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson and stuff, I think that this this isn't a surprise either. Lamar Jackson, in terms of his rushing and his passing, it's it's hit or miss. There's I don't think that we ever thought he was going to keep up his efficiency from his passing. And the Baltimore Ravens are a really good team, so they're going to be able to lean on teams in a lot of different ways, which means you don't always necessarily need to use your star player, and he's not always going to produce you know, star player fantasy points it's just kind of the nature of it but it's always there and, and I'm like I said if people want to sell off Lamar I would be buying absolutely just like with Patrick Mahomes this, this guy is developing he's one of those rare talents and they've got a great coaching staff great team great system around him and great weapons he's just building a arsenal of weapons that he's going to be able to use when he needs them okay so the biggest disappointment for me by far is Carson Wentz I just don't know what's going on there I think he looks like somebody who should be replaced at this point. If if it wasn't for the fact that the talent around him is kind of not very good and everything is kind of falling apart as well, um, but he looks like he's pressing. He looks like somebody who's a little bit in over his head, and it just doesn't feel like the leader the team needs right now. It feels like it, he has lost his confidence, and and you just when everything's going bad like the way it is right now, you feel like you want a quarterback who kind of calms everything, steadies everything, and he doesn't feel to be doing that. He feels, feels like it's he makes it worse. That it's kind of he's flailing around and things just like, yes, he takes him down the field at times and he's been keeping him on games, but it also, it's like at any moment he could cause another mistake. It just, I don't know. I'm really kind of curious what's going to happen here with the Jalen Hurts. We've seen signs, um, you know, in the past, just a couple of years that that something was going on with Wentz and yet they signed him. And, you know, and we've also seen his near MVP start to the, to the one season. So there's just like, there's these polar sides that's been really confusing and then he comes out this year playing the way he is. Now, granted, like we said, this is this is early season, COVID season. Give it a little time. Obviously, the Eagles are giving it a little time, but it is strange. It's definitely an ominous start to the season for Carson Wentz, and uh, for for me, definitely the most disappointing. If you have him, I wouldn't sell him yet, just because you're, you're, he's as low as going can get, and people's confidence is really low in him. Um, people are trying to like figure out what to do with him in terms of starting him. I've saw people benching him. I played a team that benched him in a two QB league, and they started like a running back or something, a wide receiver. They started as positional player <laughs> over Carson Wentz. That's how much confidence they had in him. So, yeah, that's where it's at right now. And uh, there's, there's a lot of other disappointments. There's other quarterbacks. I'm, I'm not going to get into them. We've got to move on. There's other positions. I will say that, like, you, you see Cam and the Cam hype. I, I think that, you know, the thing about Cam for me is just that he needs Josh McDaniels to run that that very, like, slick offense that they're doing, and it, and it works. Is it going to be productive every week? I don't think so. I think that they're going to, like, there's going to be weeks where Cam is just going to lose you games because they're just, the offensive game plan is not going to have him out there doing that much unless he gets, like, rushing touchdowns or whatnot. But there's other weeks where what I like about it is that it allows Cam's mobility to be used without necessarily just having him run all the time. Like, He's 31 years old, and if you, even if you want to get him through the season, you need to kind of conserve him and have him out there using that mobility, but not just using it to attack the defense by running all the time. But what they're doing is they're using him to kind of get him out of the pocket, and it's it opens up a lot of things. He can run, or he can throw it. He can kind of—I like what they're doing. McDaniels is setting it up so that Cam's mobility um, might actually kind of create some longevity for his career. That, you get the right system in place for a quarterback like that you don't have to have him running every play you don't have to utilize that brute strength and unless you're down at the goal line or you need a first down you use it for key moments but you don't just like keep running the, him with the ball or you're going to lose him you're going to run out of time with him before too long so but you use that mobility he's quick still cam's still very quick and and pretty fast for a big dude and uh, get him out of the pocket get him rumbling around get him to make space and then it's just playground football. Then guys are running around and you see all kinds of plays being made after the fact. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what can happen there. I also, like I said, I'm, I'm not buying in terms of the long term. I, I just, I feel like what I'm seeing, I don't, I, I, I'm curious to see where this goes. But I, I would be shocked if they paid Cam a lot of money after the season. If they were like, this is our future quarterback. This is how we, we plan to build our team. Maybe. It depends on how the rest of the year goes, but him getting COVID is definitely kind of a wrinkle in that, and, and just when he comes back, they're, if they're winning games and, and he's able to like, continue to gel and his arm strength and everything's there, then yeah, maybe, but I've I, like I said, the, the, what kind of money? What well, kind of money are we talking about? You're talking about Bill Belichick and a running quarterback so that's where I go okay this is, I really feel like this is a one-year rental and so in terms of dynasty it's still very much an, like a layoff and kind of just wait and see unless you get him super cheap I'm, I'm looking at him as just a it's still kind of a questionable um, asset there's there's questions there as to where he's going to end up and where and like what his long-term future is okay let's talk running backs now I want to talk first about the rookie running backs I think this is one of the more interesting conversations just because it's it feels like most of the top guys have been disappointments. The only guys who haven't been disappointments are like Joshua Kelly, the fourth rounder and the undrafted guy, James Robinson. But, but these guys, while they've disappointed, it's not necessarily like they've gotten the opportunities to even show what they need to do or what they can do in a lot of situations. It's more of their opportunity share has been the disappointment, but let's talk about them anyway, because I, I do think it's interesting. Um, Let's talk Jonathan Taylor first, since he is the guy who's got the most opportunity. And I haven't been overly impressed with him. I'll be honest with you. I think Jonathan Taylor, he looks good. Of course, he is a bell cow type back. But I think it's interesting just because you saw how quickly the first week I was like, oh my gosh, they are going to throw the ball to him a ton. Like maybe I was completely wrong. Maybe he can catch and maybe he's going to just be the total package. They're not going to use Naheem Hines. But as the weeks have went on, you started to see his passing shares going down but what's more kind of, it's not disappointing, he's fine, he's a good player, but he hasn't like busted on the scene like an Adrian Peterson or something where you're talking about his run prowess and everyone said, oh, he's got the greatest vision and oh, he's, he's just this elite town, he's so fast, he's just going to break off these giant runs. What I find about Jonathan Taylor, and it's what I kind of felt about him in college, is you talk about the numbers, you go, oh, stats, 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 and everyone talks about the metrics and how he was the greatest in college, and that's how they always compare him to the greats. But when you watch him, you're talking about Wisconsin and there was always giant holes and he never he was never the quote quickest back. He had that speed, but he it never felt like when he had to just like get through little spaces that happened. It always felt I remember when they went against Ohio State, that was one of the key signs to me. They played J. K. Dobbins and they played Ohio State and Ohio State's about as close as you're gonna get to an NFL defense and they shut him down. They shut Jonathan Taylor down, and while J. K. Dobbins had a much better game, it just felt to me like there was this Maybe it's you can't say he's bad, but you can't say he's Superman either. That there's there are definite limitations to a player like this. Not only has he not got the pass catching, not only have we seen some fumble concerns, and we hasn't we haven't seen it in the NFL, but we've saw a little bit of the lack of burst or just there, there's something not translating. And so I see that a little bit now watching him because he should be dominating more than he is. That's just my feeling. i Now I might be biased because I passed on him, and so. But I'm not seeing that great of things from DeAndre Swift and the guys I passed on him for. So to believe me, I'm not standing here telling you, like, okay, I made the right call. I think pretty much any of us who drafted running backs in those early parts right now we are a little disappointed, whether it's J.K. Dobbins or Cam Akers, you name it, even Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So let me finish my point on Jonathan Taylor, and then we'll move to Clyde Edwards. So Jonathan Taylor, I just feel like he's good. He's a good running back. But if we already see limitations in him catching passes, and we're not seeing him be this elite just breaking out once he got the 15-20 carries, then he's gonna be a good running back and I think he's gonna be a good player, but I don't necessarily know that he's going to be the top five running back or top three or Zeke or any of these. Not I haven't seen that from him. I remember when Zeke showed up on the scene, Zeke was punishing people from the moment he got on the field. He was letting everybody know he had arrived. It was preseason Zeke was was like laying fools out, I'm telling you. Zeke showed up and was like, No, 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 you guys don't know how to play football. Let me show you how it's done. And he came in and everybody knew like, oh, this kid's legit. That was his first step on the field. And so with Jonathan Taylor, he just hasn't done that yet. And that's not to say he can't, um, but I just, there were certain little signs and that's one of them. So let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Alaire a little bit, because I'm pretty disappointed in Clyde as well. I have to say what, I just don't see the strength in his running. That's the problem for me. It's like right now, it's not a problem. He's got some statistics. Yes, he'll be involved in the passing game so he's going to get points, but when they need him to score touchdowns, when they need him to get first downs, he doesn't have the leg drive, I mean, I'm telling you, when I watch Devin Singletary, who weighs the same amount, something about Devin Singletary, his build, where that strength comes from, he breaks tackles, he is able to push piles, and I watch Clyde Edwards, and it's just that he doesn't, he can't move one guy sometimes, and so that's very concerning to me, just because what does it mean in the long term for him? You can't have a bell cow, you can't have an elite top-tier running back whose team doesn't trust him with short yardage. It just doesn't happen because what happens is they're finding somebody else to compliment him. And what's really bizarre about this is that right now, Clyde Edwards is being used as the main one two back. He's not even being used as the quote third down back. When they go to third down, they're using Daryl Williams. So What is it about that? It's certainly not the pass catching. I think it's the pass blocking. I think they don't trust him to protect Mahomes. So I I don't know. Like, I have some Clyde there, a couple shares that I got, and I'm not feeling, like, terrible about it. He's on the Chiefs, and he is their main back, and they've shown that they want to use him. They've used him since week one. Again, putting him up there with those top five right now in terms of long-term dynasty value is very hard for me until I see more, until I see his ability to really, like, break tackles to be the guy that they rely on to get in the end zone it's concerning it's a little bit concerning let's move on to another concerning player deandre swift so i'm less concerned about deandre swift in the long term but in terms of this season getting any production it's strange it's very strange that he has kind of been like relegated to adrian peterson the 35 year old wonders backup and in a way I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna put a little spin on this. I, I'm kind of trying to look at the positive on this and that is when, when Antonio Gibson, I've got a number of shares of Antonio Gibson and he's actually playing really well and I'm excited about him. but when they cut Adrian Peterson, I was actually a little disappointed for Antonio Gibson and my reasoning was that I feel like Antonio Gibson's this raw product he's barely had any carries in college. he came out just so raw and here you have this Hall of Fame talent this guy that, it knows all the ins and outs knows like what you need to do near the goal line how you need to do you know how you attack what you how you pace things all these different things that running backs need to know and he knows all of this stuff and he's there he could have taught it to Antonio Gibson he could have been there to be a mentor and like give some of this mentorship and share it with Antonio Gibson instead they cut him and they're like here you go Antonio Gibson here's the magic apron go ahead and just figure it out and he's done very well I'm very excited he's breaking tackles he's getting pass catching He's doing great, and so I'm excited about him, but I, I think that when you go over to Detroit and you look at DeAndre Swift and you look at another raw talent and a guy who is obviously excels in the passing, he's shown it besides his drop in that first game, which was, ugh, I mean, it was like, I dropped to my knees when I saw that. I couldn't believe it, but he literally it's like got all those the the intangibles the the cutting the 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 quickness he's going to be a force in the passing game and it's just a matter of him learning the nuance of the rushing game so maybe this is his opportunity just to watch somebody like Adrian Peterson who at 35 years old is still doing it and he's doing it well I'll I'll admit I cut Adrian Peterson when he got cut by Washington and I had a team that didn't even have that many running backs I cut him I was just like ah he's gonna be in a mix there I want another so, you know, that that's kind of how I felt about him. And he surprised me once again. And again, when I talk about Swift, yes, he's been a disappointment. And he might be a disappointment for the rest of the season. It's hard to say. But he's already started to uptick. And I think that the, po- the positive of having Adrian Peterson there is that you are having somebody to learn from. Uh, maybe – let's, let's move to Antonio Gibson. Whatever it is that the coaching staff's doing, he looks great. He looks like he knows how to navigate uh, – the holes and all that. I'm really impressed with his ability as a quote running back, especially with his limited use as a running back in college. So that's very exciting. I think that for a guy to produce um, on a team that's not very good is another positive sign. So that's why you need the pass catching, but he's also running the ball and getting opportunities and running for touchdowns occasionally. So I think that's exciting for him another guy who's a playing on a losing team and, and rushing. Let's just talk about James Robinson. There's James Robinson. He is kind of like the talk of the season so far. I talked about him a little bit. I actually was like, I, I was kind of disappointed, I think, to have to hold on to him is what I said because I had him in number of leagues, and now I just wish I, you know, it's always like, you get, I think I have four or five leagues, I have him, and it was like, I wish I had just had him in more. But it's, it's tough because as soon as now that, I, I do believe in him. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's that fast, that quick, but he's got like some of that, the balance, the vision. He's got some of the the things that you actually need as a running back. And when I look at a guy like James Robinson, there's a steadiness to him and a steadiness to where he runs uh, that feels less likely to get hurt. You know, you talk about Saquon getting hurt. There's a thing about Saquon I've always watched that that drives me crazy. He hates contact. He hates to get hit. And when you hate to get hit, you do weird things. You'll, You'll see him like maneuver and shake and jiggle and he puts his body in a lot of weird positions. And it's not to say it's all his fault on that, but I mean, he dislocated his elbow, literally the play before tearing his ACL, all the same kind of move where he tries to like, he doesn't want to just lower his shoulder and kind of where with James Robinson, you watch him and he's just kind of uses his body as a battering ram and he'll take that two yards and just kind of uh, run into some guys and he's gotten used to that and he doesn't have like any flair to him, but he's kind of stable and condensed and he just kind of moves forward, and so it's interesting because I've tried to trade for him. I've reached out to people and trade for him after I've kind of saw him in the first game. and said, "This guy's going to be their starter." I I am curious to see what happens, you know, when the dude comes back from COVID, which has been on the longest COVID list. I don't even remember his name anymore. The guy that was that the the Armstead Raquel Armstead what. He's been on COVID for four weeks or something. So I'm curious to see what happens when he comes back. But I really think it's just James Robinson's job. It looks like they're very comfortable with him out on the field. And they've got him signed for a three-year contract. So it's three years, $2 million. So he's right. you know, they've got a very cheap asset. That's like that's why I was intrigued. And I kind of was like, hmm, maybe I'll trade for him. Maybe I'll see if I can get him. But people want too much for him right now. People want first-round picks. And I'm just not ready to do that yet. There's too many unknowns He's not super fast. He's not super quick. He's easy to replace. He's very much CJ Anderson. And so I just like I'm not ready to to put that crown on him yet. While he is producing. He's producing on a losing team, so it's a very nice asset to have. I wish I had more. But it's just how it goes and I, I'm not, you know, like I said, if I could get him for a second round pick, I'd probably do it. I think um after week 1, I was thinking like, "Oh, should, he's might be worth like a third round pick, but I think he's not worth the second round pick." I was that in between I wish I maybe had to send out some offers a second round pick but I wasn't willing to do it um, and he, somebody sent me an offer of James Robinson for my devy second round pick. I was so bummed because I was working all day and I get back and I look at my phone and I'm like, "Oh, and some of course he sent it out to other people so somebody accepted it almost instantly. But I was very disappointed. The guy was rebuilding and I was like, "Oh, this was after week 1 or something, but it didn't matter. I knew I knew what was, so James Robinson. Yeah, he, he I th- I think that he is worthy of this discussion. The, the, the excitement. There's something there with him. Uh, it's just how much and how much we want to invest and how like w- how much we want to gamble on that because you know also it's like he's not the, the the world beater. We know that, but it's looking pretty good. And and I when it comes to running backs, I, I'm more likely to believe, especially uh, when they're in a situation where they like I said he's signed. Um, he seems to be the guy, and until somebody beats him out of that. Um, we just don't know. I mean, like I said, maybe Armstead comes back and they, they have intentions. It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if Armstead came back and they're like, oh yeah, we always intended on giving him a shot. Uh, but at this point, it would. It, like I'm more inclined to think it's, it's James Robinson's job. Not too much to say about Dobbins, really, or Akers. I feel like they're just in a situation where they just need a little more time. We haven't really got to see much from him. Akers got injured and Dobbins has been good when he's played, but they've just got other good players. Gus Edwards is good. The Mark Ingram is good. The team relies on their running back or their quarterback to run so it's just not enough for me to you know to get too disappointed but at the same time it's not obviously when you invest that high draft capital and you're hoping for some production you're seeing other running backs like James Robinson Antonio Gibson out there helping people win their fantasy games and you're sitting there with J.K. Dobbs going come on man come on put him on the field show what he can do it might be a year or so and but then just remember that 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 asset is there and he's not taking wear and tear that's the other thing that I always talk about with running backs it's like Remember that the guys who win week 2, 3 and 4 don't necessarily win you in the playoffs in week 13, 14, 15 and so Sometimes I see my best players, I see them out there on week three or week four, and they're just getting lots of carries and lots of production. And then I'm going, I don't even need it. I don't need this production right now. Stop giving them the ball. You're going to get him hurt, you know, that kind of thing. So there's different levels to this that I don't necessarily mind if my players are sitting on the bench. Maybe Mark Ingram gets dinged up, and then, you know, guess Edwards gets hurt week 12 or something, and all of a sudden, right come playoff time, guess who's ready for the key role and and they're in the playoff hunt trying to get a bye week or something so they're relying on their run game and all of a sudden you have you have the league winner he just didn't win you leagues you know games during the season but he won you those key games at the end of the season so again not going to spend too much time and energy worrying about now one guy i am a little worried about just in terms of the guy i love aj Dillon. it's concerning to me just because i I loved the fact that he got drafted in the second round i love that he got the draft capital and i thought it was a sneaky kind of cover play you know, covered him a little bit but it didn't really cover him people drafted him highly because of that capital they've assumed oh it's his job next year and now Aaron Jones comes out and says, no, 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 I'm one of the best running backs in the league. See, the thing about Aaron Jones, and I love this about Aaron Jones, is that not only does he catch passes, but he catches passes down the field, way down the field. He might be the one of the few running backs that's running routes all the way down the field. You, you see Aaron Rodgers unload a ball down the field, and you're like, that's Aaron Jones. That's Aaron Jones down the field. He does a wheel route. He does some other stuff. They, they use him. And so... When you see these other running backs getting signed, the, the trend has been to pay your, pay your running backs. And it doesn't seem like they're getting signed to outrageous contracts to the point where a guy like Aaron Jones, who's versatile in the passing game, has stayed healthy now for over a year... I find it very hard to believe that they're not going to sign him. And if they sign him, then golly, what are we going to do with A.J. Dillon? Daryl Williams looks pretty good too. Are they going to get rid of him? I don't know. It's just frustrating because I do believe in the talent of A.J. Dillon. And I was excited to see him get drafted in the second round because that showed that his talent is there and that he's not some just big workout, you know, big old lug of a guy who can't play football. I think he can catch. I think he can play. I think he can be a versatile running back. But we may not find out for a while. We may need injury I just don't know. So that one's a little disappointing only because I think Aaron Ro- Aaron Jones has been fantastic and I think Aaron Jones has earned himself the right to talk contract with the Packers and it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, I think they probably will sign him. They'd be smart to sign him. And here we are, sitting with AJ Dill and just going like, "Next year? Next year?" No. So, don't love it. Uh Cream hunts another one that I'm I was like, I bought Kareem Hunt at the beginning of the year with for Debo Samuel I traded him and then I was really thinking like before Chubb got hurt I was thinking I really want to add some more Cream Hunt because not only this potential for this Chubb thing but now but the the fact that he seemed to be getting the role when they were losing uh, when they were behind he got a lot of the pass catching and he was getting a decent number of carries on the side of that it just felt like there was this window where you could buy him for a reasonable price but that window is gone He's going to be the guy for the rest of the season, if you know. and Chubb might come back and, and steal his thunder right at the end anyway, and and that would be no bueno, and so there's just like, yeah, with with Hunt, it was like this window, and now I feel like it's gone, but maybe next year, they did re-sign him, maybe when Chubb comes back, and Chubb is strong, and everyone just thinks that, that Hunt's relegated to that side kind of role, then I, then I might be intrigued again to try to purchase it for the right price, because... He's a player. He's just a good football player, and he catches the ball. He runs the ball. He's productive. That guy is always productive. He gets in the end zone. He gets, you know, talk about, like, the Chiefs. I, I'm sure the Chiefs probably wish they had Kareem Hunt right now. Give me Kareem Hunt over Clyde Edwards in terms of trying to get that first down, trying to get the short yardage stuff. That I think that is definitely an argument to be made there. I can almost honestly ask, like, do you, would you prefer Devin Singletary or Clyde Edwards O'Leary? In terms of on which team they are, I'll still take Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But in terms of what kind of football player they are, I don't know. You can't you can't tell me that uh, they're that much different of a player, really. The Singletary and Clyde Edwards, how much different are they? I mean, if anything, Singletary has shown a little bit more in the pros so far. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, my biggest defeat, the biggest L I'll take this year is, is Jarek McKinnon and it's not because i talked to lot smack about everything i just disregarded him i like literally didn't think about Jarek mckinnon I, I passed on him a number of leagues uh, where he was just there and i thought oh yeah i don't you know i don't i don't really want to invest if people would buy you know invest more like draft him higher than i would and i'd be like yeah, yeah that's a good one i'm glad somebody took Jarek mckinnon yeah he's been great he's been fantastic he looks like uh, just you know he looks strong he looks motivated he looks healthy and uh, yeah I missed on that one you just never know after a guy's been out of the league for two years and and kind of kept getting injured I and and even when he was healthy he was like the freaky spark metric guy but he was always so good at pass catching out of Minnesota but when they gave him that chance as that lead role he didn't take it it's not like he seized it but people can grow people can you know kind of learn and it seems like he's not only grown and learned but he's just like has a fire burning in him so yes I'm, I'm all I'm not saying all in on Jerry McKinnon but I definitely think that He's impressive, and I think it's going to matter because like to, to, to Mostert owners because I own some Mostert, and I think it's going to affect him. Even when he comes back, he was looking great. He's running for 80-yard touchdowns and fastest guy in the league or whatever. But it's still, it's I think McKinnon has shown that they can use them both, that there's going to be a little more um, – because Tevin Coleman didn't earn that. I don't think that Tevin Coleman earned that. And so way down on Tevin Coleman, I don't know that he comes back to anything. The rest of those guys, like Jeffrey Wilson, Jim Michael Hastings, everything, might have to rely on injury but yeah until mckinnon shows anything else or gets hurt or something i think he in the most it comes back uh, looking very good okay one last guy i want to talk about is mike davis and the reason i want to talk about mike davis is for a specific reason i ended up with a lot of mike davis and it was just almost dumb luck it was just the fact that i was adding players and i added a bunch of them right before the thing when i, I read an article that he might get that starting job or whatever or the backup job Anyway, I have a lot of Mike Davis, and it's turned out to be this great thing in a lot of my leagues. And same thing with the James Robinson. The Mike Davis and the James Robinson on my leagues have really buoyed some of my teams, where if they were a good team, they're really good, especially like teams where I have my wide receiver cores with Godwins and A.J. Browns and Suttons are kind of decimated. So it's just been this real blessing, and it made me think about this rotating spot idea that I used to think about. I used to do this thing where I always tried to have a rotating spot on my dynasty team. I always wanted to have a, a player or just an empty spot that I felt I could just enter, like keep adding, swapping, putting different players on, just trying different things with. I didn't want to have a team that was just completely stacked with players and I didn't have any leeway. And it really made me think about this year because I did have some teams that are very stacked and had so much talent that I just didn't feel like I never added players like James Robinson or Mike Davis. They just didn't get those players. And so then I had other teams that were nec- not necessarily so stacked. And so I'm adding these kind of deeper flyers. And those guys ended up being um, so important and so so relevant early on that it, it had me thinking again about this thing I used to do, which is if you have a team, if you have a team that's fully stacked, that you don't have a player on there that's no good or a, or a free roster spot or just a player that you're willing to just cut at any moment, um, I think you need to take a look at that roster and try to do a two-for-one. Try, try to break it up a little bit. Try to make some leeway. These are the kind of situations, especially early in the season, where you always should have some kind of rotating thing. Those are the kind of ways that you get one of these guys to stick, you find one of these guys, is by having, in a way, some open crappy spots. If you don't have those open crappy spots and your team is just so loaded and it's full to the gills that you don't have to do anything, then you should take that as a red flag that, okay, wait, I don't have to do anything? That means I'm gonna miss out on some of these, all the things that always come along. These players, that they're always there. Every year, there's always somebody. At least one, two, three, Guys that show up out of nowhere that you could have had for free, and you're gonna miss out on them. You're gonna guarantee yourself missing out on them. You may not get them if you have the open rotating spot. You might add them and drop them. You might still mess up. But if you don't have any leeway at all, you guarantee yourself not having them. Believe me, I have some leagues where I was very confident. They were stacked, a great team. I was like, hey, I don't have to do anything with this roster. And I didn't add these players and now I'm like, oh man, if I'd just don't I'm offering players on my roster for these players on other teams. So yes, just just think that keep that in mind that you should take that as a red flag that if you have a team that is completely stacked, that you don't have any leeway on that roster, there's not one spot you're willing to cut. Try to try to change that. Try to do a two for one. I'm not saying go overboard and just, like, throw players off your roster. I'm sure you can find something there that you can combine, that you can add, some kind of piece that you can move, whatever, that you feel comfortable with, that even if it's not the biggest win ever, it's allowing you this freedom that is super crucial in Dynasty and in fantasy football, especially in fantasy football and just, like, the winning leagues year to year. Because like Mike Davis, he's probably not even going to be there for the playoffs. But right now, it's a nice piece to have. And we just don't know what decision-making Carolina's going to have. If they continue to lose, will they decide to bring him back? Uh, McCaffrey, that is. Are they going to decide, okay, we can give him a little more time. You know, he could come back and re-injure it. Uh, now you know also that Carolina has seen something in Mike Davis. He's played pretty well. So now they might want to mix him in a little bit. They might want to hold on to him as a backup. He might get another job next year there is some value there and at the same time there's definite value right now during the season none of that can be had if you didn't have a little leeway to add a guy like Mike Davis because nobody's thinking Mike Davis is super great I I even talked about him I talked about like I think I'm gonna hold him over a Dion Lewis I'm making like that kind of call what what deep last roster spot backup running back am I gonna hold on to and in And I held on to Davis. I'm very happy to have done it. But it took having a team that didn't necessarily have every position a player I wanted. I really wanted to keep. I had to have a position of leeway. So I wanted to bring that up because I think it's an important point. I think it's something to keep in mind um, just to kind of always keep moving forward and knowing that you're not going to know all the players. There's always going to be some surprises or you're just not going to have the room for them all. So you've got to kind of be kind of churning, have to have a spot, at least one. Maybe two or three, depending on your style of play. If you want to do a lot of roster moves, you can do two or three and just kind of continue to consolidate those top players so that you can have a multi-churn. That too, but either way, I think you've got to have some sort of churn going on there, some sort of rotating spot. Otherwise, you leave yourself at a disadvantage, even though you think your team is stacked. Okay, we are going to talk a little wide receiver and a little tight end, but I saved those for the end, and I saved them. Obviously, we don't. there's not a lot of time left in this because I honestly, there's just, for me, with the wide receivers, there's so much going on. Um, there's a number of injuries. So many guys that are banged up, and some of the injuries are, you know, significant, like season-ending injuries. But there's also like guys just with knee injuries, concussions, hamstrings, things that we don't know how quickly they're going to work back. which just really hard to tell. We're not going to be able to, you know, predict anything for season. And then we just have to look at them as, as the player we know they are in terms of dynasty, or at least we think we know they are. And so most cases, I think I know who AJ Brown is. I think I know who some of these guys who are not on the field for me right now are. So there's not a whole lot for me to dive into in terms of wide receiver. I think the, the biggest takeaway for me is that there are a lot of wide receivers um, that are just pr- producing kind of hit or miss numbers. It's week to week. Uh, there's just so many guys that I think you just have some – you try to get yourself some good players who have good quarterbacks and good situations, and then you're going to have to accept that there's going to be weeks like Calvin Ridley last week, who was just a zero. Here's a guy who was the number one wide receiver, and just like zero, nothing. I'm like, what? Calvin, what is going on? And, you know – so you just don't know. And I feel the same way kind of about tight ends. Um, I feel like this is another one of those with tight ends where, you know, I think of Irv Smith and how much I've invested in Irv Smith and Dynasty, and he hasn't done Jack yet. And it's so tough. I still believe him as a player. I still know he's going to produce at some point. But I have to hold him. I have to hold him for year after year. It's going to be this year. Rudolph's out there playing, and who knows what their offense is going to dictate next. Is he, going to, is he ever going to get on the field and be a valuable fantasy producer? I don't know, but I believe he can be, and so I'm going to keep holding. But it's frustrating. It's really frustrating, and that's where tight ends can be maybe the most frustrating because then you see guys, I have a number of shares now of Mo Cox and Drew Sample, guys that I never thought I would own in fantasy. I never thought you'd convince me that Drew Sample was worth owning, but the moment I saw Joe Burrow out there tossing to CJ Uzama 15 times, and the moment Uzama goes down and he's just throwing to Drew Sample 15 times, it's like, oh, you got to have him. I don't care if he's a great athlete or not. That guy's going to be getting peppered with targets. So you know, week to week, year to year, like I said, positions are tough, and tight end position, when you're talking about how long it takes to develop, or just situational usage, if a team really wants to throw their tight ends, and all these different things, you know, Noah Fant, is he going to be good? I don't know, he looked good at times, he looks dominant, but, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it's all about them wanting, like the quarterback has to want to throw to him, there's so many things about tight ends, and you get Robert Tanyan, is one of the top tight ends right now? Over the last couple weeks, he's been carrying teams. So, you tell me. I don't know. I'm. That's basically what I'm going to tell you when it comes to tight ends. I think you need a number of them. I think it, there's a real argument to be made um, that just, just try to get yourself one of those top guys and then you don't have to worry about it. You know, I love the teams where I have Travis Kelsey, I have Darren Waller, George Kittle. Um, in some of my tight end premium leagues, you try to get those guys plus some other names. But guys like Gasicki and stuff, like I have a number of Gasicki and it's one week he's great. And I get so frustrated. I'll have Gasicki and Jonu Smith and a number of other guys who any given week can be good, but I don't want to start all of them. I want to start one of them. And then I choose the wrong guy and I'm like, dude, oh, so that, you know, it's like, I want to start wide receivers at my flex. I want to start running backs at my flex. I don't want to be starting tight ends. But sometimes that tight end could be the right flex play. But I, I feel like I oftentimes miss. Uh, it's just very hard to predict when it comes to touchdowns, especially with tight ends. There's so many touchdowns. And that guy's like Jimmy Graham, you know, they're gonna, he's going to have some good weeks. And again, I would look either top tier, so you don't have to think about it, or try to just, you know, scrap up some of these guys off the waiver wire, uh, continue to pile up four or five guys and see if you can make it work. But don't get too down on yourself if you keep missing, because I think it's just part of it. It's hard. It's hard to, you know, unless you're starting multiple, multiple tight ends, you're going to have to just choose one, and week to week, a could have 130 yards and eight catches, or he could have, you know, one catch. So, I do like a talking about, let's just mention him for a second, I, I heard some people kind of saying, oh, you know, he's not, he's not as good as whatever, and I was thinking, you know, they were double teaming him, or there was the, the they were pretend double teaming him and stuff. There's reasons why he didn't get looks in that game, and there's there's rare tight ends they can put up eight catches for 130 yards. I mean, you look what Kittle did. There's certain guys that they become a weapon in the passing game to you know above and beyond your just traditional tight ends, and so that's where I think Gasicki is definitely capable of that. And we've seen it already a number of times, and he's still young and so talented. So yes, I'm I'm very excited about Gasicki. It's just it's frustrating when you're trying to start him, and you have Irv Smith and Chris Herndon and Mike Gasicki and Johnny Smith, and I'm like they're all startable on certain weeks. And so you know so I don't know Herndon's been a disappointment, but I still believe in him as a player. I think that uh, he's just the, the, the situation the, the the Jets. You know we didn't talk about Darnold, but I've been disappointed with Darnold. I'll admit there are plays that Darnold makes that are absolutely amazing. And so I don't want to give up on him, and I, I kind of, you know, I keep on telling myself, well, look at look at the situation. But, you know, at some point, they're they're probably going to move on from him and just draft another quarterback, and we have to see him another place. So, I don't know. I love Darnold. There's something about Darnold. I just love his gamer, and I feel like he's gotten a bad hand. Um, but so far, in terms of fantasy points and production, it's not there. And now he's injured, and yeah. Yeah, I guess that's where the tight ends. The only thing else I'd mention is that Zach Ertz has been kind of a disappointment. I mean, even with Goddard out and all those wide receivers out, he hasn't been. And maybe that's because they're giving him more attention. Uh, but that's concerning to me. You would think that he would be getting just all the targets that with Carson Wentz needing somebody to throw the ball to and someone to rely on, and all those other guys injured, that he'd have like 15 targets a game. I think he did have 12 targets in one game or something. But it's not been it's not been super productive. And most games it's like seven targets, which is like okay, but not like I said for the situation, it worries me. For long term and Goddard and the whole contract and everything, it for Ertz, uh, it's just starting. Uh, it's like stock down a little bit on Ertz for me. Uh, that's it, pretty much on the tight ends. Not too much else to mention, I think. Uh, like I said, it's up and down. It's week to week. It's touchdown based. Uh, wide receivers again. I think there's a lot of good guys, a lot of good players. I don't think there's any major surprises. I think what we kind of saw what we're seeing from a lot of players is what we expect to see there's a lot of injuries so we're seeing some players step up um, and getting some extra playing time or getting extra targets Um, but that will all kind of level i just don't think anything stood out to me um, as major like holy cow i've got this major takeaway there are some youngsters that i'm excited about like gabriel davis uh, very excited to have some shares of Gabriel Davis, and I think I have a seven or eight or nine. I think I have quite a few. I started just like near the end of that season when I started hearing that drum beat and the, the talk, I started like looking into him. I just kept adding him and just thinking, okay, I another one Gabriel Davis. Another. So I'm excited about him. I think that the long term, and it may not even be long term, it might be more now. You know, we're looking at he was already on the field and getting uh, when John Bowen was a little nicked up and stuff. I think he's super mature for his age he's very talented he's the biggest receiver on the team you see Diggs out there he's amazing but he takes a lot of shots and he's been injury prone in the past so you know Diggs getting just numbered targets number of targets number of targets by week eight by week nine he might the attrition might wear on him he might have some injuries and have to bail out for a few weeks and guess who's there you know john brown's already showing injury prone it's it's Gabriel Davis. It's Gabriel Davis, and I think we could even see, like I said, by the end of the year, Gabriel Davis putting up some big numbers and shocking people. But nonetheless, long-term dynasty value, definitely all in on Gabriel Davis. I'm super excited about the kid. I think he's one of the most underrated prospects of this draft class. He's going to be one of those uh, gems. And speaking of this this class, just the the overall class, you're going to have a tough time arguing to me that this isn't one of the best wide receiver classes in a long time, if not ever. Just go down the list and they're already all popping. You're talking about you know, Judy, Jefferson, and you know, Ruggs has gotten hurt. And so we'll see, but I think I'm still a believer in Ruggs. You know, we've got to see with this offense, how much they want to use him. It's definitely the Darren Waller and the running backs and everything. So Ruggs, he might just be that, that kind of the the deep threat kind of pull the defense away for a while, but there's talent there that he can do a lot of other things. And so I'm still believing him as a player, um, but out of the gate with the injury and everything is it's tough to see. Either way, I just look, as you go down, I mean, you're talking about Quintez Cephas, you're talking about, there's just so many players that are emerging um, even deep in, in this wide receiver class that I'm very excited about. I think this wide receiver class is going to be very good, and Gabriel Davis is one of them that um, is just at the top of my list in terms of his price and his long-term upside. I just think he is one that you're going to want to have, um, especially when we're talking about Josh Allen, and Josh Allen is no longer concerning me with him just not being able to hit his targets yeah, there'll be times when he misses, I'm sure. But Gabriel Davis is a deep threat. Gabriel Davis is a big guy. He He's going to be a favorite target uh, when he gets on the field. He already kind of is. Again, I don't know too many surprises. I mean, like Robbie Anderson, I guess you could say is a surprise. He, he's he been out playing DJ Moore and even Curtis. Henry. He's been the alpha there. So that's a surprise to me just a little bit. I mean, he's, he's been, it's not like he's putting up huge numbers. And I think that, you know, any time that could start to shift, it's just right now he seems to be the guy. Jones. So I'm not, I'm not like, oh my gosh, Robbie Anderson at 28 years old is his total buy-in. Um, he's not even producing all that much. And then you look at like Deontay Johnson, I think he definitely has emerged as, as kind of overtaken Juju in terms of already. Ben is trusting him more. Ben is targeting him more. Um, he's more of the playmaker. Juju has that slot and Juju is going to get his touchdowns. And Juju is kind of Cooper Cup-like to me. I think you have some really big games, some, some matchups that he dominates, and then there's some other matchups where he will be kind of uh, relegated a little bit chase claypool on the other hand i don't want to talk about chase claypool because oh i'm love i just love this kid i love i've been watching him on his youtube channel he's an outgoing kid he's really just kind of like believes in himself and and there is no way this kid's gonna be a tight end you know he's he's never thought he was gonna be a tight end i kind of did think he would be a tight end but watch him he slimmed up he slimmed up since he got to the pros he looks nothing like a tight end he looks like dk metcalf he looks slimmer than dk and he's just and he makes some amazing catches on the sideline this guy Just look at James Robinson. In a matter of, it's just a matter of time, and 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 getting, in getting him reps and getting him experience. But uh, Chase Claypool, the real deal, uh, legit talent. I'm excited to see. He he's got leg, you know, hip bend. He can run routes. He's not just this deep threat. But you've seen it already, he can produce if the quarterback just wants to throw the ball up, and, and have a guy run up and jump up and grab it. Chase Claypool. Yeah, very exciting. I'll tell you, this wide receiver class, just so deep. T. Higgins, you just go down the list. We haven't even seen guys like Jalen Rager, and I didn't invest anything. Of all the receivers, I got a lot of different guys. I did not get any Jalen Rager, and so I'm not the, I'm not going to hate on him. I think he's a good player. It's been an interesting situation and in the injuries and everything. I think people are obviously disappointed in him, but it's, it's very much like the rug situation. We just have to give him a chance to get on the field. We just don't know. I'm sure... it's it's affecting Carson Wentz as well to not have him on the field so hard to say a lot of rookies a lot of good players a lot of excitement Um, it just seems like you don't have to be a vet anymore you don't have to be uh, you know a three-year wide receiver vet to be getting playing time you can get you know (laughs) you can be out there on the field and showing what you do from college right away these guys are elite route runners some of them right out of the gate Um, so it's definitely impressive uh, this rookie class very good and so that is it I you know like I said there's a lot of other conversations we could have, but I kind of want to just kind of jump in especially talking about some of the more unknowns or some of the surprises like I said there's we're only four weeks into the season this is the covid season there's so many things about this season that are different than the normal season from pre to after to where they're staying to you know there's no fans in the crowd there's just so many things so just be patient be you know this is dynasty football don't overreact. You know, I realize you want to win the season every year, but at the same time, don't, you know, screw up your chances to win long term just because you feel like, okay, this player is no good right now, I can't use him, and cut bait with him or try to trade him off for for low, you know, value just because he's not producing, especially when it comes to some of these higher valued youngsters who just haven't gotten a chance on the field. Their time will come, you know, at some point you'll get a chance to see them, then make the decision. Don't make it based on the lack of playing time, make it based on the lack of what you see on the field. So that is it. Thank you guys for joining me. I know it's been a while. I probably won't be back right away. Um, it's just, you know, like I say if there's something to see, I will bring it to you um, if I get excited. I, I'm really curious what's going to happen with this COVID. I know I had predicted that there wouldn't even be a season, so obviously when, when we got through three weeks without any COVID things, I was shocked. I was, I was like, wow, we need to make Roger Goodell, the head of the COVID Commission for the United States. like I was seriously like, how are they doing this? This is incredible. When you look at the college universities with like 27% and 30% infection rates, and everyone's just completely affected, and yet the NFL had zero cases. I was thinking like, what is going on here? But now we're seeing it pop up. They seem to still be doing a good job of juggling, but it's going to get very hard. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm hoping, I'm hopeful. I'm I'm definitely a lot more optimistic than I was before the season because I've seen it now, and we've made it through some football. So, it's great. I'm very excited. There's going to be football tomorrow, and then, like I said, this, the football is moving. I'm not expecting people to listen to this podcast till probably in, into the week or whatever. It's been it's been a while, and I just figured it's kind of like a quarter season check in. Nonetheless, I hope you're doing good. I hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying positive. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you soon.